0: Hello, Twitter world. Here we go. Jake, are you there? Of course I'm here. Oh my gosh. Well, there was no music this week, so I didn't know if we were ready to go or not. I figured it out how to turn it off. I was pretty proud of myself. (laughs) It's all about small
1: victories, right? It's all about small victories. Oh, it is definitely all about small victories.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. So hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode from the writer's block. Again, you are welcome. It is an open discussion. If you feel like you want to have be part of the conversation, please feel free to request. You know, Jake or I will allow you to. So, Jake, how's your week going?
1: The week is going really well. I'm doing some temporary part-time work that is turning into some not-so-temporary part-time work. Uh, for my brother-in-law, and it's really frustrating because all I want to do is sit down at the computer and write. And data I mean, entry—that's the life of an author. Yeah, data entry sucks. I hate it. Um, <laughs> but overall, it's a—it's uh, been a good experience for me to kind of branch
0: out a little bit. How's your week well, been, Brandon? You know, it's been a, you know, being single during Valentine's Day week is always always so much fun like i just appreciate i just pre- appreciate the half off chocolate that's really
1: that's the best part right, right?
0: <laughs> that's the best part especially when you're single you're like there's chocolate and then everybody brings in chocolate to work and you just gorge yourself in chocolate all day i just i love it i do <laughs> did you did you get anything special for valentine's day uh i got some roses
1: that my husband and I bought together as kind of a, here, it's Valentine's Day, we'll look like we celebrate. Oh, well, that's nice. It, w- it was nice, you know, <laughs> like we
0: just, we don't
1: really do Valentine's Day. Like we've got, you know, birthdays and other things that are more
0: important. And so it's pretty low key for us. Well, that's good. I mean, at least you have someone to celebrate with, just saying. I, that is true. I do count myself very lucky. <laughs> not to passively aggressively say anything, it is again <laughs> <laughs> so and well and we'll get into the topic this week just so everyone knows we're gonna be talking about this one's gonna be a fun one banned books and how they impact our lives as authors um and let's just jake i think we just need to set the tone this is not us dogging on anyone's religious and or political views. absolutely like
1: it's just this is a chance for you to share your view um your opinions we absolutely want you to speak out and and talk uh and give us your take on this topic i'm I'm expecting it to be a little heated within reason because uh banned books is is kind of a big subject that a lot of people have very strong feelings about
0: Yes. yes. Okay. Well, we'll get to that, into that in a minute, and I think I think we'll take some time at the end because I, Jake, Jake, I know we have some questions from some people, and I want to give those some sometimes. But as always, I hit you with a topic that you know nothing. I know. About. I kind of hate this part because it's so <laughs> it catches me
1: off guard so bad every single time. But there's a learning curve. Mark, oh, very right? much so, and I honestly like I kind of feel like i know a little bit about a few topics a little here and there so i can kind of bluff my
0: way through right (laughs) that's i mean the way i described it to jake was imagine you become this big amazing author right and i think this is a great point for all of us you're sitting on your panel for whatever panel it is right and then you get asked this absurd question last week's topic was Dino Erotica, which I thought was great, and it was. It was... You, you got to learn how to pivot, and I think that as authors, we do have to learn how to pivot. Absolutely. So this week's topic, I want to hit you with, um, and I don't know. I did you know, Shel Silverstein, who is? Can you name one of his? Yeah, favorites?
1: Where the Sidewalk Ends.
0: Perfect. You know exactly who I'm talking about. Did you know? He actually wrote country music as well. No, are you kidding? Yes. No, he wrote. I can't name any songs off the top of my head, but I know, I know. There's one person on here in particular that does know a couple of those, and she's about ready to chime in right now. Missy, what are the name of those songs? He wrote a
2: boy named Sue. Shut uh, up. Yeah,
0: he did. Yeah, not. He did. And,
2: yeah, he wrote that, and he also wrote um, a cover of the Rolling Stones, Doctor Hook and the Medicine. Me- medicine machine medicine man sing it too yeah
1: that is awesome i, I am know. all
2: for that i know i was talking to brandon this morning and he was trying to think about like what to what to say and it's random did you know you know who shall silverstein is and he's like yeah and i was like he's he wrote music and he's like he did not
1: Oh, he word of god he wrote music so i was-
0: love that fact honestly mm-hmm. like it is amazing see <laughs> okay, there you go so, that's all about learning points. So that brings me to the point. Could any of your short stories because I think for me it's more back when it was like folklory sort of country music. It wasn't so much modern country music. Could any of your stories be made into a song? Uh, um, sure, but they would probably be
1: more <laughs> like um, a minstrel back in like the medieval times can, would sing about this. Can you
0: not say minstrel, please? That's just weird when I hear the word minstrel. Let's just not. <laughs> because he's pronouncing minstrel. it wrong.
1: I said,
3: minstrel.
1: I said minstrel. minstrel. Minstrel.
3: Minstrel. I said minstrel,
1: I promise. <laughs> um, <laughs> that aside, I am really hoping that um, you all don't just leave at this moment right now
0: because I said that. <laughs> if, if if the dino erotica last week didn't deter people, I think we're pretty well, that's safe. Let's hope so. Yes. And again, if anybody wants to chime in, feel free to request and we will get you in here. That's really all I had for the start of the show because I feel like this is going to be a heavy discussion. It, <sighs> it, I thought – I. I thought that the reason why the music didn't play is
3: because uh, it played 12 hours ago.
1: Listen here, I have technical
3: <laughs> difficulties.
0: Everybody makes fun that, of me for this. That we're going to cover because I know one of our marketing, one of the questions is about marketing, right?
1: Um, Maybe later we'll <laughs> wait, talk. Wait, wait.
0: Uh, you, you've got the questions. I don't I have do the have the questions.
1: So we have some questions from some of our listeners, and I want to start with Carolyn she uh is re-outlining a 2018 nano project um and she's basically about ready to just totally write the novel over um she has a few uh unfinished drafts that she's reviving too but her question is really and she writes in the young adult uh kind of area there uh her question is 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 about stakes and she would love to hear how other writers establish stakes that are high enough and important enough?
0: Ooh, that's a good one, Carolyn. Uh, you know, for me, when I hear that, I think, what's the stakes for that character? It's I think you have to write it that would make it feasible for that character and that story. You don't want to go too far out there. And I say that as somebody who's writing me. And Jake, I know I can... Hear and see you giggling right now because you're like, he's writing a story about titans and gods, like <laughs> a bit in your realm, right?
1: Brandon has
0: somewhat of a an... <laughs> don't go too far ahead for the story. It's like you have nine books planned, so I think for stakes for the character, you got to make it make sense and make it. Um, I, I don't want to say believable. Obviously, yes, believable, but you want to make it. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. My brain is all mush right now. Jake, Okay, you think? so here's my take on this.
1: And Carolyn, I'm so glad you're here to listen to this part. Um, stakes depend on your genre. Like, obviously you're not going to have, you know, uh, a thousand unicorns trampling people through the streets of New York in a contemporary book. <laughs> So you have to kind of gauge your stakes based on the genre that you're writing in and age group. I think stakes, though, have to be something that is personal um, to your main character. If we don't care that the main character is doing something, it's probably not high enough stakes, obviously. Uh, Carolyn, hop on here if you want to. Oh. No, this is great. And then I also didn't want to
4: sound like such a beginner that I was like, oh my gosh, but um, you know, my characters aren't saving the world or um, fighting for their lives. So I just wanted to hear other people's take, but this this helps a lot.
1: Awesome. Um, So Carolyn, tell me then what, give me a short little pitch on what your characters are doing
4: okay so the the girl is uh living in a fatter body than her family and her her mom puts pressure on her to lose weight and she decides after the, the inciting incident she decides she's gonna not do that anymore and she's just gonna embrace her body her strength her size her curves and um but that's obviously not easy especially when you're 15 16 years old oh
0: absolutely when,
4: when diet culture and society's expectations of beauty and so on so that that's this girl's situation and I think it's I think it's a high enough stakes but it's like I said it's not saving the world or preventing a thousand unicorns from trampling the people in the <laughs> In New York
0: City, but you know, I think I think that sounds great because it's it's a lot of that curse that that character's arc and how they start to accept themselves for what their body looks like and who they are. And I think for that story, that sounds really good. I think it sounds amazing,
1: Carolyn. Can I ask, what does your main character stand to lose?
4: So that's the hard part. I think she would lose her self-respect because she goes through a lot of self-hatred every day. Okay, what does the scale say? So by giving up that self-hatred, she stands to gain quite a bit. So she would lose the confidence and the positive attitude and positive self-image. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. Do you think that also, obviously, she has family members who are very, um, shall we say, outspoken about this? Um, And I think that it would be key to maybe not family members specifically, but especially friends and peers um, might not understand the reasons that she's doing this. And there's potential, I would say, for the stakes to be high in the sense that she might lose out on social events, people that are willing to to be in her life. Um, but obviously those are, are, I hope she will find out that those are not her real friends. Um, yeah. <laughs> have yeah. a happy ending. <laughs>
4: yeah. Hey, I want her to have a hopeful and happy ending, yes.
1: Perfect. Thank Caroline? you do you have anything else as far as stakes go that maybe is confusing for your story specifically or in general for writing?
4: Um, Not really. I think it's more of that because the stories are not, you know, I think of Hunger Games or um, Divergent.
1: Absolutely. Um,
4: Saving the World. You know, it's, it's a little bit different. It's, i guess this is the kind of story i would have wanted to read when i was in high school
1: perfect absolutely perfect and that right
0: there is the perfect perfect answer yes like if this were that would be the number one if this were that whatever the name that game is that's the number one answer on the board like that should be the always the correct answer i like yeah. i told
2: you my mind is family positive. feud family feud family, family feud. feud
1: thank you Midori, did you want to hop in and say anything yeah
5: i do um sorry if my connection's a little spotty i'm actually just outside just getting some fresh air and then i saw you invited me and it's like yeah i'll come on for a couple minutes good job <laughs> thanks um you know sometimes you know i don't know the most eloquent way to say this but you know just because you have high stakes and like the hunger games and diversion, as you mentioned, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, having the risk of not being able to save yourself can't be a big risk. Um, you know, you were talking about, um, again, you mentioned divergent and hunger games, but what you're talking about, like it not being really low high stakes and everything. It actually brought me back to a video game, believe it or not. Um,
1: Very nice.
5: Do we all know what American McGee's Alice is? Uh,
1: I have no idea. It sounds familiar. (laughs) Okay,
5: I'll I'll just explain the game for anybody here who hasn't heard of it. So basically it was made by one of the creators or developers of the Doom games, I think, uh, American McGee, and it's basically a macabre sequel to Alice Through the Looking Glass. And basically oh. what happens is that after the events of that book, Alice's house actually catches on fire and kills her entire family, and she is the sole survivor. And
3: oh my god. And
5: <laughs> as a result of the trauma, she actually goes insane as a child and she spends ten years in a coma. And then when she wakes up, she ends up going back to Wonderland and finds out that it has become this twisted, macabre version of its former self. And there's a lot of infighting, there's a lot of death, and just a lot of horrible stuff happening. Now, the important thing to remember, and this goes without saying, but Wonderland is all happening inside Alice's head. And so, the main gist of the game is that, you know, she has to go run around and fight monsters just to save Wonderland, but if she saves Wonderland, she will save her own sanity, or at least what's left of it.
1: I like that. It gives us higher stakes without actually having the stakes be that yeah. high.
5: Yeah. So, yeah. you know, obviously you see like a lot of fighting and such and a lot of bloodshed, but you know what? that really she's just fighting to make sense of her own head. And I think there's a lot to be said for that.
1: Absolutely. Good point. Yes.
4: Thank you. Thank you. That's a that's a cool perspective.
6: Yeah. I
5: Yeah. I love the games and it was actually a really big talking point at the time because it was one of the few games at the time that actually addressed mental health and portrayed those struggling with, um, excuse me, like schizophrenia and mental illness in a compassionate light. Um, obviously Alice goes through this really horrifying ordeal, but you see that she's really, really trying to pick up the pieces and be able to move on with her life. She wants to save herself. She wants to help other people and such. And, it's, you know, she's she's a really unconventional character in this game, and I really love it.
0: That's awesome. That's great. So, I Jake, I think we should get into the meat of the discussion. What do you think? I think that sounds great. I Are think Bill we will save Not trying to try to cut you off, Dory, That's not... That's no, not no, it's fine.
1: What we're doing it all. <laughs> I think what we'll do is we'll save Bill's question for next week. Because nice. um, yes. he's not here... Uh, at this time anyway um, so let's move on to banned books
0: oh I don't even where do we want to start with this let's we haven't even we need to plan these shows out better you know that I don't think we do I
1: love the fact that people just kind of <laughs> jump in and we the conversation goes where the conversation goes and I think it's a really authentic discussion so right. from well, my perspective go for it Brian Go ahead. I I want
3: my book to be banned, okay? Because because and I will tell you why. Because every book that gets banned surges in sales, makes more money for the writer, and becomes even more popular. I the, the people attempting to ban the books have seem to have no idea of this of this effect. But George M. Johnson, one of my favorite writers in particular, he's he's now on his uh, third book deal after his first book was banned, um, and it's a seven-figure <laughs> deal. Um, That's awesome! Don't you know, we all hope like, for that. Mm,
1: yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> right. Ban- exactly. Ban my book. <laughs> Brian, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge your thinking on this one. I'm gonna yep. challenge you because we all know, and Missy know Missy, and I went back twenty years, and she knows my favorite game. Is devil's advocate. I'm gonna, I'm gonna poke uh-uh. the bear on this one. <laughs> so, and this is just got an initial. I, you say that, right? As you want your book banned because you want more money. That con- that would concern me as an author, because it sounds like you're out for the money. Okay, well, valid point. Um, I'm not,
3: I'm not. <laughs> I'm not I'm only tongue in cheek when I say this. Um
0: because I mean don't get me uh, I'm not downplaying we all I mean I get why we're all here, right? Like I yes, we want to make some money and living off of it. But yes, I do. Okay.
3: I, I I yes, I do want to make money, but I don't want to I I my my first ranked preference for the work is for people to connect with it, right? And I don't think banning actually uh, if anything banning makes that connection easier. Um for people because oh why is this being banned maybe this is something interesting maybe i want to learn about it um but then, you know if, go ahead Tark. no no go ahead I, No, nope, I, you know, de- de- first of all the devil doesn't need a lawyer or an advocate mm-hmm. so uh, I, I think this game is is uh is is very much rooted in in white privilege i'll just put that out there however i will
0: respond um so go ahead keep going no i was i was just gonna say i think when you I think when you ban a book, it brings more awareness to the book. I I would challenge your thinking on if it makes it easier for people because it actually takes that accessibility out of the libraries and pulls away from representation that people the under representative don't represented don't have. So I think that's that's where I would be, have those that issue right and, challenge with
3: and yet and yet uh the books uh that the books that, that are banned um sales increase so more people are actually getting these books um and also uh what happens when when books are banned is that other libraries that don't have bans in place offer them uh on e-readers to other people so for example the brooklyn public library uh will lend any book at all to anyone in Florida, in Ohio, anywhere where a book ban is in place. Uh, And it's all electronic. You don't need to live in Brooklyn to to, to have access to these books. Which Um, is
1: really cool. I know that there's quite a few programs like that, Brian. And mm -hmm. I really applaud the libraries that are making books more accessible to more people in that sense. Um, yes. I really, uh, above and beyond just the bad books, obviously, but, uh, I think libraries are one of our greatest, um, attributes mm-hmm. here that, mm-hmm. that we have education and knowledge that people can just go and learn from for free.
3: Thank you, Andrew Carnegie. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I, and this so, is again. Anybody who wants to speak is welcome to. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, oh, I, I, I'm, I have
3: put my, put forward. I would prefer to hear from other people. So I put forward my, my bits already.
1: Perfect. Um, I know that we have at least two teachers here this evening. I was literally I,
0: just going to say that.
1: Literally. <laughs> <laughs> and I would love to have some ideas and feedback and opinions from these teachers because thank you thank you thank you for all you do for all the kids um i want to know how this affects your teaching style if at all and what you're doing with the banning and the students that would like to read these things Eh.
7: all right so i oh go ahead
2: oh no 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 you go for it
7: no. Go for
2: it,
7: Benny. I want to hear it. Oh, geez. All right. So um, I, I teach um, fourth and fifth grade special ed in Manhattan. Awesome. And, um, so I am an elementary school teacher. So my viewpoint is going to be probably very different from what the rest of this topic is. But I'll put my two cents in by starting with the story. So my father was in the military. And um, at the age of 10, on my birthday, believe it or not, we flew to Germany to move to Europe. And shortly thereafter, um, we lived off the military base on the economy and we start school and my mother is driving us to school and there is a very large billboard with a woman from her um, navel up and she is wearing no bra, no clothes. And there's just, her breasts are exposed and it's something in German and I'm, we're driving and I am staring out the window and gawking. And my mother notices this, my father sees this, they say nothing and they quickly go and they write down what it said in German and they go to translate. And the next time we went through or went past um, the billboard sign, I'm gawking again. And my mother says, oh, you see that billboard? And I was like, yeah, and I couldn't stop talking. I was like, well, I can't believe that. And I I, I it, it, you know, verbal diarrhea is coming out. And she said, oh, um, that's a, a billboard about breast cancer. Do you know what cancer is? Of course, I am like, no. And she's like, oh. And so she starts explaining about cancer and suddenly it wasn't about me being so fascinated by somebody naked on a billboard, but the reasoning behind, not necessarily why the image was there, but the reasoning about how those two things are associated. That breasts get cancer and that this is something dangerous and that women have that. And so suddenly I, and that was the last time I gawked at it, where if my parents hadn't have said something, I wouldn't have gawked at it. So to some sense, banning books, you're banning something about a topic that people either don't want to discuss for various reasons. However, when you are banning a book and suddenly, as you were saying, they are being spread and, and people are talking about it, you're also normalizing the information that is held within. So to some extent, I'm ecstatic about book bans for certain reasons, whereas as a teacher, um, it also breaks my heart. And I'll say one last thing. Um, in our elementary school, I am in a, um, I'm in, in Manhattan, so you know there is no book banning, right? And so when we hear about a book that's being banned, we buy them. We buy them up, we just did it again. We buy up the books and we bring them in. And one of them that was two or three years ago was, what is it? Um, and Tango Makes Three. It was one of the most banned books in the country. And it's a, um, for those of you that don't know about it. It's a great it, book. It's, it's a great book, right? And um, it's a picture book. And it's based on a true story, as I believe, um, mm-hmm. about um, a zoo and they were and penguins, uh, if you don't know, mate for life. So they hook, you know, they, they get together and that's their partner and two male penguins um became partners and as all of the penguins are going into their mating season um the the zoologists noticed that these two penguins um who were both male started to become depressed they were seeing that everyone else was having eggs and they didn't and so uh uh, they decided to take one egg that was extra and place it into their nest and these two penguins were ecstatic that they had finally had an egg and they raised this baby penguin And people said, oh, it has homosexual themes and it has X, Y, and Z and it's sexually explicit. And my point is as a teacher, threefold. One, I am here to teach about life and to teach about information. I'm not here to give my judgment on it. However, if asked, I can. So we know and children know a mommy and a daddy make a baby to the extent and how far does not need to be expressed and, or that is the, you know, that is the right of the parent or the teacher or wherever you're living it. That does not need to be discussed, but this is something kids know. So we also see um, two daddies or two mommies or other ways in which families can be created. My children have parents and families who are not just male and female. Right. And so we, when, when we see these things in real life and books express things that we see, it's no longer a like me driving down that highway and seeing the the billboard with the breasts. The, <gasps> it's a, oh, oh, well, Susie has two moms. Oh, well, the two penguins have two moms. It's normalizing in a sense where you then understand that the world is not just one shade of gray and it's not black and it's not white. You do not have to associate with the color yourself. But um, in that sense, I feel that, you know, for especially for elementary school children and for me, for my special ed children, it's something that's so important to talk about these topics and to see how they feel. And they tell you, you know, how they feel, they tell you what they think and then you correct them to an extent and you say, Oh, I know, I understand that you feel this way. However, some people do do this or some people do live this way. And so it, it encourages more growth of, um, not necessarily um, understanding or empathy or sympathy, but just the way in which the world works. And I think that that's something that's so important. And so while banning books um, is, it can be a very negative thing, and especially what's going on in Florida, and especially what's going on in the school systems there, which I won't even talk about, because um, it, it breaks my heart. At the same time, it also opens for discussions like we're having here um, and allows for other people to see that these are things that need to be spoken about. So that's my two cents on it.
1: Your two cents, my dear good Ben, that was very, awesome. Very well said, very well Thank said. You. Um Misty? I, yeah let's have Okay Misty, so
2: um you teach special education I teach 7 through 10 7 through 12 I teach in a small school so I teach 7 12 special education Um And
7: bless you for that um I'm giving you all props and I
0: couldn't do it I mean bless you I can't Oh
2: they laugh can't at laugh. fart jokes both we're good you, to both go Both of
0: you are taint. let's just <laughs> I've heard some horror stories, and both of you are
2: in my eyes. <laughs> um, So, I primarily, I go into the general education classroom, and I support the general education teacher, and I can tell you um, our ninth grade and tenth grade English teacher loves banned books. Um, Fahrenheit 451, uh, The uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, Lord of the Flies, like, those are books that he's always reading, and um, it's another one uh the glass castle and the themes you know he a lot of a lot of times uh as you mentioned you know it's some of the people are just uncomfortable with the themes and so that's why they end up becoming banned books um but th- you're able to have those conversations with uh kids you know at my level with uh, special education or general education kids you get those conversations and you're able to bring that stuff up and you're able to let them discuss and our it's the conversations are really good um before i taught in the public school setting i taught in the it was a it's kind of like a private school it was a juvenile placement facility so i just got the knuckleheads um and i taught to kill a mockingbird with them and my class was primarily african-american and so you know the n-word is in there frequently and you know, I told them, hey, this is when the book was written. And before we even read the book, we did a unit on civil rights. And, you know, this is what people see. This is what how people were treated. This is, you know, everything. So they knew going into the book what they were going to see and how people in the South, you know, during the, uh, during the civil rights movement, how they really thought and beforehand. So, that we were able to try to knock down some of those prejudices before we even read the book. And having, you know, both sides, because we had kids from California, Maryland, uh, Minnesota, South Dakota, all over, we had, you know, kids and having everyone able to add their own little tidbits i guess you could say of injustices that they have you know that they occurred um in i don't even know the word i'm using but it's a tuesday wednesday i don't even know what day of the week it is but yes they were able to do that stuff and the conversations were really good um i know that uh some of the books you know that i see because i was looking you know when brandon was telling me that that was his plan was to do banned books i started you know looking at some of the books and i was some of the books like goosebumps i remember reading those books when i was a kid those are that's frequently challenged um if i ran the zoo by dr seuss hop on pop james and the giant giant peach like the witches those are ones that i'm like really those books are there's something in them that people don't like and it boggles my mind because i think that all kids I mean, because I work with kids, adults alike, I guess, what else? But all kids need to be able to um, it, look and read something that may be just a little different. And sometimes it's the fantasy aspect of it. And it's sad because that's, you build on that imagination. So I I think it's sad that they we have to put a title on it. It just can't be a book. You're just a kid's reading a book and it's, you have to, Oh, it's a banned book. They're reading. Oh, it's like, you're reading something naughty, but it's not, it's just a regular book. So I love them, but I love all books. So it just, to me, I just think getting a book in a kid's hand is the main goal that you need and having them able to comprehend and discuss what's going on and feel, Because that's what a book is supposed to make you do, is feel. Well,
0: well, I think what we as adults tend to forget is kids don't have the, at a certain, they don't start having prejudices against things. Exactly. Other than that, they're they're open and they're willing to learn. And they're
2: taught those prejudices, unfortunately.
0: Right. And I think we tend to forget that as adults. So do you think that banned books are based
7: upon fear? Or based upon control both I see those two as I, I don't but both of them are, I feel like they're almost opposite sides of the coin because one is controlling um, because I don't want it and I want it my way versus one is I'm truly terrified that this will because that's what I hear people say oh it will turn somebody this way or oh it'll make someone think this way and suddenly all hell will break loose and I don't think that the fear component that's being promoted is actually what it is I, I i do not believe that it's actually fear
2: well fear is a primary emotion of course so like anger is your secondary so i'm i think that you fear therefore you want to control
7: is how interesting i, I mean I, that's how i look I like at that it. Yeah. i mean
2: i like yeah i'm in iowa so it's like oh women uh, we fear that women you know shouldn't have abortions because a baby dies and you can't do that so we're going to stop it at the heartbeat. I mean, so they control. They fear so that they can control. I feel. I could be wrong, but, and I'm always open for discussion, but, yeah.
7: it's. I also feel that sometimes you, you want something and so you control it oh, yeah. by making it fearful, mm, right? Yeah. And so that's the way that I was looking at it, is that, um, and the people who are banning the books, by the way, are not the people who you see who are fearful of things. There There is an agenda. There is a propaganda attached to it. Always. Or there is... Yeah there is a reasoning. And so the reasoning isn't always necessary that we are scared of these things. Because also when you ask for data, yes, for proof, what book made somebody do X? What book turned somebody Y, right? Mm -hmm. There's never a validation, but it's a whole, they're going to take this or this is going to happen. And then, you know, you go, well, show me a news report, show me something, show me where this is actually happening. Oh, it's happening all over. (laughs) Okay. That's that's the fear talking because you've been programmed to fear it because someone wants to control and have something a certain way. And I think it all comes back to, especially in America, it all comes back to this is a Christian country founded on Christian values, which, by the way, we all know, or most of us should know, it's, this is not you know true. But <laughs> this is the standard operating thought yes. that, that guides the control, which promotes the fear. Um, and that's the way that I tend to look at it. But then again, also I have a degree in religion, so um, there you go. <laughs> mine are
0: very biased and skewed uh, because of that, <laughs> that as well.
2: No, I like that.
0: That's interesting. Well, I, I know I, I Sydney, I want to get you were trying to get in, and I, I want to give you as much time if you want to speak real quick. Or oh, you're fine. <laughs> you're no,
8: you're you're fine. I just it was a really interesting conversation. I didn't want to to interrupt that dialogue. Um, I'm a former teacher. Uh, now I just stay home with my toddlers, which is a whole other ball game. But I think that the I think okay historically, I think banning books and censorship has always been about control. I think playing to the fear narrative, fear narrative, kind of justifies it and makes it more palatable. And we're doing this for your protection, right, and the betterment. But it's about control, I think, point blank. Um, and as far as banning books go, I think it is a real shame in the sense that depriving us right adults and guiding these young people and having conversations about hard topics um it's taking away that uncomfortability and that vulnerability and the the space of process that this is a very ambiguous world and there are a lot of hard things in there and there are people that have very strong opinions on both sides of of the coin how do you navigate that um, and so when I taught, I taught um, high school English, and so in teaching like *To Kill a Mockingbird*, right, it was a conversation of this was banned and this is banned and why, and kids would read it and be like, "Well, it's not a big deal," and I'm like, "Okay, well, why do you feel that way?" And then challenging them to find, you know, not to embrace the other side about what is this that could scare someone, what is in here that could make someone feel uncomfortable, and and having those conversations help enhance i think your critical thinking skills but also your communication skills so we have learners who can become adults and can go out into the world and contribute and are not scared of hard conversations and can say hey look i hear where you're coming from but let's have an actual conversation about it instead of just falling back into the fear rhetoric Um, and then i also don't know who who at the beginning said it? I do think that the idea that if you're profiting off your book being banned, that does come from place of white privilege. I do agree with that. I think that there is a, a fair amount of fame that you can get if your books are banished, but or if books are banned. But that typically is not, um, for people who are in the minorities and people who are, struggling. I know that Margaret Atwood, who wrote uh, A Handmaid's Tale, has. I've seen her name all over Twitter today with people like, yeah. You're only happy of it because, you know, you're you've already gotten your fame and this is only helping. I think there are struggling authors who who are going to be hurt and who who will not reach their as as wide of an audience as they could have uh, with this.
3: So let me come back around to that. It was me who, who brought up the remark about why privilege. But that was in context to the game of devil's advocacy, which I think is is something that privilege allows us to do. Regarding the banning, the person I mentioned, George M. Johnson, they are black, uh, queer, um, and the bands have done wonders for them. Um, They are not a person of privilege uh, in in any regard. Um, And perhaps because of the bands, they have entered a different type of privilege as a result, uh, the fame and the the financial rewards for it. Um, So I was speaking to that in terms of the benefits to people who normally do not benefit from uh, the privilege in the world of publishing.
8: No, that totally makes sense. And I am I'm grateful to hear it because that's how it should go. And that is exactly the outcome I would want to see. Um, so I'm glad you can speak to that. So I think that's great. Um, let's hope that continues, quite frankly.
1: I Go ahead, Jake, will, I Go will ahead. second that opinion, <laughs> uh, I hope it keeps going that way. And the big thing for me is, is like, I do write uh, quite a bit of middle grade and I, I write uh, a lot for the uh, kid-lit scene. Um, I just, I hate that there are books that are being banned in the sense that they're books that young kids Deserve to have because it might be the only chance at this st- time for them to see themselves on the pages of a book, and that is so so very important um, for for these kids that are growing up and and for adults too. There are so many people that have you know either that are that are minorities or that have not had a voice before, but they also haven't had an ear to listen because there's nothing out there for them. And so I really hope that the the banning of these books will help to facilitate the people that need them in getting them.
0: Yes, I agree, sorry. I, I think it's important to have that representation Everywhere in books. I, I, going back to Misty and uh, BR's conversation about um, wow, my brain is, like I said, complete mush tonight. Uh, I clearly have not had enough coffee. Uh, I, I think getting that discussion early in in childhood and having those children and students in general be able to have those open and honest discussions with each other, um, I think that's a big part of it in having that controlled with fear that that's an interesting concept for me and i really i really like that that terminology and how that how you guys describe that that's so i had never thought of it like that before
7: so let me tell you a really quick story that happened in um, my classroom last week one of my students uh he's 10 years old and not particularly very um I don't even know how to describe it. Not He, he doesn't pay attention much, right? He's, his mind is always somewhere else. And um, we are very inclusive in our school. We even have non-gendered bathrooms. Um, this is a conversation that we've been having with students. We have several students who have either come out or have identified in different ways and we're supporting them. So it's in the atmosphere, right? However, it's not push. It's not an agenda. It's not something that we do in class. It's something we talk about. If you feel this way or if you wanna have a discussion, it's there if not fine. And so we were actually having a discussion um, about one of the books we were reading about Winn-Dixie, and he couldn't remember whether Winn-Dixie was male or female. And uh, we were talking about Winn-Dixie, and he said, you know, Win dixie she, well, he, I don't really know what gender, uh, I'll just say they. He goes, so Winn-Dixie, they were, and I lost it. I mean, I started laughing so hard and I almost fell out of my chair. And I had to stop the whole conversation and have this conversation about how I thought that it was lovely that, He respected the fact that he wasn't quite sure which gender um, and so he used the word they, but it goes to show that this is something that is natural for him. He's grown up in a place where if we're not quite sure we can use this other language to be inclusive and it wasn't weird to anyone else in the room but me. I was the one that had the weird reaction because I'm not used to it. Even though I'm teaching it and promoting it, my generation never walked around and, and did this until now. And so to me, it struck me odd in the ear and then I was so proud of him and all of this. However, everyone else in the classroom, all of my kids were like, yeah, that makes sense. And so I think that as these topics begin to to come out and the more that we talk about them, the more that they they're embraced within society, the more, again, we normalize it And suddenly the next generation will have their own problems, but the problems that we're dealing with with these banned books might change in really great ways or really awful ways, I'm not quite sure. But it's just fascinating to see the generation coming up and how different they are from me. It it blew my mind.
0: Well, I think we can all agree, typically when you ban books, it doesn't tend to go well for the group that's banning the books just saying that given history in general and the books
2: don't go away they are still there no they they don't don't
0: go away they're they're still there and i I think we we as authors and writers in general i think we're here to here's this situation's truth and you can either continue to read the story or you don't that is your choice but for you to take that out of someone's Hands, I think that's where we kind of get frustrated where it's like you are taking that story away from that child that might identify with that character or I'm not even going to use children and I like take that let's move that band book out of that and let's say a book about rape that or going back to like incest or domestic abuse or something, somebody might need that book that they don't realize that they're in that bad of a situation. And now you've taken that opportunity away from them to make their lives better. I think that's where, that's part of where I get frustrated, was like, you're not giving them the same opportunity. And that's, that's where I get frustrated, like I said.
3: So just a minor historical point, um, when books are banned and burned, Uh, they can go away. Um, The Nazis burned uh, whole buildings worth of books and the Institute for Sexual Research uh, in Berlin, um, all of those books that they had amassed on uh, transgender identities, on on, uh, sex and sexuality, all of that material went away. Went away. No more copies, nothing. Um, So it can happen. Just putting that out there.
1: We're going to hope that that doesn't happen moving forward in the future, uh, because that is there's so much knowledge to be had out there, and we want it to keep going generation to generation to generation. Just one quick comment, and that is for any of you listeners, if you want to jump in here, make comments, discuss, this is what we are here for, is to let you talk with other authors and get opinions out there.
4: I'm going to add a a hopeful perspective. Um, I live in a very rural, conservative area. And our public library always has um, a banned book display and promotes reading anything. And I I love that. And sadly, the public school no longer has a, a central library for the students, but the teachers will have them. And I know the teachers, keep a library of things and they don't, they, tr- they usually don't follow through on the whole ban book, get rid of things. So I love it that the community, even though there's an outside force that may or may not be, you know, trying to ban books, the library will, will have the books. And that makes me very happy and hopeful for the future. And I loved the comment about the younger generation. I don't, remember who said that that it's just normal for them and hopefully we get to the point where the
1: next generation doesn't have to worry about banned books i <laughs> think that that is awesome carolyn that your library does that it makes my heart so happy and uh, <laughs> i i totally agree i hope that the next generation doesn't even have to deal with banned books because they are open to learning about all walks of life. I think I had another person that wanted to talk, but they haven't been able to jump on, and that's okay. Um, Banned books, whether you're in favor in the sense that it helps the book sell, um, in the sense that it gives a little bit larger platform to people that might not have had it before or banned books as far as if you are completely against it I think everybody has really strong opinions but it boils down to the same idea that these topics and these books are things that need to be talked are things they need to be talked about they need to be put out there in the world and and people need to to see more of them Please don't misunderstand me. I am not in favor of banning books. <laughs> oh, I I know that, Brian. I know that completely. <laughs> okay. okay. I just <laughs> okay. I just meant like uh, because there there is a, a a whole entire movement I would call it uh, with books being banned where people are like, yeah, ban my book because that it just promotes it that much more, and people are getting their hands on it because. You're telling them that they can't, and uh, for most uh, for most folks, we don't like to be told that we can't. That's not a very comfortable thing for most people, um, and so I feel like you, the groups that are trying to ban these books, are shooting themselves in the foot basically uh, because. The the people that you are banning them from are going to go out and ask the question, why don't you want me to read this? And I think that question right there is key to understanding why so many banned books are still around, why so many banned books are talked about so much, why the subjects and the themes in them are so pertinent to people, regardless of where they live um, or, or who they are.
0: I, 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 wow. I don't even, (laughs) I'm having trouble tonight. I don't even know. There's a lot that I don't know, but I I think I just keep going back to the whole fear versus control thing. I can't, my mind won't let that go. And I think that hits it pretty hard where it's people that are banning books are banning them because out of fear and we're not, then they want control. And I think that's a really good way of describing that. And I think you're right. I think going into, well, why is this book being banned? And then reading it from a perspective of a, a, a child or somebody who's younger who doesn't, see those prejudices and see all that stuff I think really would help clarify some people maybe hopefully I don't know absolutely I, don't know. Um,
1: I think you're gonna hop on and say something
6: this is just a something about the control and fear um, I'm a little older than you two I think and when I was young my parents were part of what they called a holiness church I don't know if you're familiar with that But, you know, (laughs) girls were not allowed to wear pants. You know, there were a whole lot of restrictions in our religion. But the one thing that I do remember, and it still breaks my heart, was after we joined, my mother raided my room. All of my books on, you know, fairy tales, you know, anything that involved a witch, uh, my unicorn collection, all of that stuff went into a bonfire. I will never forget watching those things burn. It's still a little emotional for me, I'm sorry. But I'll...
1: do not apologize for your emotions. Do not apologize for that at all. Um, but that I is, remember, you know, we
6: were not allowed to read anything regarding wizards, witches, fairies. Anything that could not be explained in human terms, um, anything that elevated a female was not encouraged, you know, because we were supposed to be raised to be good wives. I guess that's why I'm such a rebel. But
3: we love that you <But, but> are <laughs> I think
6: the one thing that I enjoy now, because I have an eighteen year old son, is that If he can't get something in his school library, which so far in our community we have not banned those books, but like he says, if they ban them, you know, we all have phones, we can download Kindle, we can get any book we want. So, you know, that's their attitude about it is, you know, okay, so they banned such and such book. And now 99% of them want to know why. So they're all searching it and looking it up and you know, um, downloading it on Kindle or whatever various device that they have. That's what I love. I used to go to the public library because my mom had all my favorite books burned and I wasn't allowed to check them out at school. And I would wrap those books in uh, brown paper bags. Like we did our school books at that point in time. I know a lot of you might not remember that, but we did.
0: Oh, I remember that. (laughs) But, you know, I mean,
6: if it was a book that I really wanted to read and I knew she would not approve of, I would hide it. But I would still read it. So nowadays, I don't even think kids have to hide it. They're on their devices so much that they can just read what they want to read. I think there's so much more... Availability of those books out there, besides your school library or you know, whatever. If you tell a kid that they can't have something, what is that going to make them want? That's going to make them want that. That's just like telling kids they can't have candy, is like, you know, of course, they're going to want candy. So, that's my two cents, and I will shut up now. <laughs> I'm,
7: that's incredible. I just wanted to interject really quickly and say, one, your story's fascinating. I'm so proud of you for being able to tell it. That's an incredible story. But just to interject and put the, the, you know, the top onto your story, I find it fascinating that you were so emotional about that event, and yet that is something that affected you up until your adulthood, whereas those books about wizards and, and witches and those unicorns that you had decorating your room didn't do that to you, right? The taking away of something, and the banning of something was more detrimental than having it and letting it be a part of your imagination.
6: Well, I mean, and watching that, I mean, it wasn't just me. I mean, there was a bunch of kids there. There were adults there. I mean, there were like all kinds of stuff that they found um, offensive that went into that bonfire. And watching that burn, it was like my first experience after this is going off base, after my mom left my dad, of watching the cross burn in the field across from where we lived, I thought they were burning Jesus. I had no idea at five years old that that was the Ku Klux Klan. So...
1: I uh, am <laughs> your your life is so fascinating, and I wow. Love <laughs> I uh, I feel I had like. No
6: idea that our landlord was the headmaster for the Ku Klux Klan well you know I'm glad that you had
1: the experience in the sense that you have the wisdom to come away
7: from that a better person
6: (laughs) but I guess you now know why I'm a little weird
7: when is your memoir coming out I'll buy it I'll support it (laughs)
2: Yes.
6: I will never write my memoir.
2: Ever. I am in awe. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) Well, and on that note, Jake, I think we need to start wrapping stuff up. Our time here is about done with everybody. Yeah. Does anybody
1: have any last minute comments? Anything
0: Uh, that they want to still bring up?
1: Jake, can you hear me? Yeah. Go go ahead, LG.
9: Okay. uh, So this is extremely unrelated to our very important discussion. This is gonna feel very inappropriate, um, in a way where it's like we had this very like hard discussion and then like I jump in and I ask this question. But Jake, um you know how you said that you were talking about um erotica with dinos like earlier? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That was that was last yes. week's yes. Okay, <laughs> question <laughs> that I got asked. Love it. That was I love that it's insane. still coming
9: okay, up. Okay, alright, all right, Jake, um, I haven't had the chance to listen to that oh, episode do yet. Do not look it up. Do I'm not wondering. Look it up. Shh, shh, I'm wondering, was that Chuck Chuck Tingle that you were talking about?
1: Say that one more time. Chuck
9: Andy. Tingle.
1: I have no idea.
9: You weren't talking I
1: don't know. <laughs> All I know is that the that the uh, the the um, genre is gaining in popularity. We'll put it that oh, way. Oh,
9: okay. Okay.
0: All right. We weren't we weren't talking about an, a specific author. We were just talking about the right.
9: genre. because okay, that author I just mentioned is very popular for making very weird. Uh, like romance erotica stuff, and I just wondered if you were talking about him.
1: <laughs> I we weren't talking about anybody specifically, okay. but I am very I,
3: sure that uh, <laughs> they're doing I just,
0: just fine. I just love that it got brought up again two weeks in a row. Like, are we gonna? <laughs> Hilarious. Love oh my it.
9: gosh. <laughs> all right, that's all you know. Yeah. Thank you.
1: No worries, be, thank you. We are just about out of time. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming. For those that jumped into the conversation, this is what we are here for, is to let you speak out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, I hope to see you next week.
0: We will see you all next week.
3: Thank you.